The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The moment of truth for the AI trade. That is what this week could very well be with NVIDIA earnings just a day away. The Investment Committee weighing in on all that is riding now on that report. Joining me for the hour, Josh Brown, Joe Chernova, Stephanie Link, and Surat Sethi. Good to have everybody with us today. We are down, and we are red across the board. Walmart obviously helping the Dow, but CAT, Microsoft, Visa, IBM are hurting it. They're big weights. That's why Dow is off, as you see it there. Uh, Stephanie Link, David Costin raises his price target. Five-week winning streak comes to an end. People are still optimistic. He goes to 5,200. UBS says 5,400. How do you see it here as we enter what I think is a critical, critical week? Because earnings are going higher. 80% of the companies in the S&P 500 have beaten expectations. The growth rate is 7%. The beginning of this year, people were thinking at best 2, 3, 4%. And the guidance has actually been kind of interesting too, implying double digit growth for the full year in earnings. Scott, you've heard me say this a million times, but stocks follow profits on the way up and on the way down. And they're going on the way up. And why is that? Because the economy is stronger than expected. Real consumption is running at about 2. Wage growth is running at about 4%. Manufacturing, we talk about the renaissance happening in manufacturing and public and private construction spend. Uh, I think all that's good. And so I do think that revision should be going higher for the overall market and target prices should be going higher as well. Okay. All sounds great. Joe, the elephant in the room happens tomorrow after the bell, NVIDIA reports. Um, Does everything come down? to what this company reports at this point? I think in the near term, yes, it does, unfortunately. I, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we could look at the, the earnings uh, that Stephanie is citing and recognizing that it's a much better environment for corporate profitability than we anticipated. But unfortunately, the last several weeks, we've created this speculative fervor surrounding AI, and it's landed squarely in the semi names. We obviously see what Arm Holdings has done the last several weeks. Uh, we, we are seeing what um, Micro, Super Micro is doing as well. And it's extended into NVIDIA to a certain degree. Down and, 6%, right? Yeah, it's uh, people getting a little bit skittish. It's unavoidable. Uh, ahead, of the, ahead of the number, you look at what it's sort of like, what else can they, I think Kramer, you know, this morning during the nine o'clock hour, which we did together, was like, what else, what, can, what else can Jensen Wong do? Well, we've created nearly impossible expectations for NVIDIA. And at a certain point, the comps are going to get more difficult as you move through 2024. And that's the reason why I've said, look, if, you, if you're not in NVIDIA, you have to have a wait and see approach. Even if the stock gets away from you and goes higher, I think it'll go higher in a parabolic sense. You'll get an opportunity at some point in the future when those comps begin to get more difficult. All right, so you're bleeding about 44 bucks, Surat. Josh, I'm going to get to I'll get to Josh in a minute. I'm sort of saving it up for, on purpose. 
Uh, but Surat, you own this name too. I do. And, and, and what do you think is truly riding on this report tomorrow? So I think a couple of things. I mean, expectations to Joe's point are huge, right? It's 20 billion is what is the estimate. 22 is the whisper. It's probably closer to 23, if not north. But I think what's really riding on it is what are they going to talk about the total addressable market? What other markets are they looking at? And what are they going to talk about double ordering? Because that is the key that all investors, including ourselves, are fearful of. Now, stock's been parabolic. We've taken profits along the way. It's a 2% it's a holding for us. S&P's 4%, but I'd be careful here. And to Joe's point, if it pulls back, it could be a chance for new money to get in. But if it goes up, then you just kind of wait and see. I mean, I, I realize there are other things going on today, and, and we'll get to those and the impacts that they're having on the market. But to me, it's, it's unavoidable to start here as you start a new week, Josh, because even you suggest it's, quote, the whole ball game for the most crowded trade on earth. And that is what NVIDIA is going to deliver tomorrow, whatever it may be, and the, the impact that it's going to have on the market, you've got to believe it's going to be a sizable mover one direction or the other. I think so. But a negative outcome for NVIDIA is not necessarily a negative outcome for investors in the rest of the market. Because I think there's a lot of market cap in these top seven or these days top six stocks that could eventually find a home elsewhere if they're disappointed because the gains that we've been seeing just can't continue. So I, I agree with a lot of what Stephanie had to say. The old timers will remember this, this phrase. I don't think they use it anymore. Tape reading is dead. But in the old days, uh, you would ask somebody, you'd ask a guy on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange or a trader on a desk, you know, what's happening in the market or, or what's the tone of the market or what's going on with the tape? And they would say, uh, S is over N's. And what that means is the S&P names are outperforming the NASDAQ names. And then sometimes it would be vice versa. It would be N's over S's. I think we're going to be in an S's over N's environment uh, in, you know, going into spring. And I wouldn't be surprised if the earnings report that we get uh, this week from NVIDIA is a fantastic report, but the, the reaction disappoints. And I want to do a little bit of myth busting with the time that I have here, Scott. So just bear with me. A lot of people think that NVIDIA represents some sort of like mega bubble or some sort of speculative mania. It's really important that we understand they're going to report $10.5 billion in net income if the estimates are right. They did $1.4 billion in net income this quarter last year. It's a 10x in profits. So when you understand that context, um, even revenue, we're looking for $4.59 on $20.5 billion in revenue. That's a 240% jump in revenue from just last year, this quarter. So that's the context in which we're talking about this stock. It's one of the biggest winners of all time. Uh, you might live the rest of your life as an investor and not see anything like it ever again. Uh, and be prepared for this company, to Joe's point, getting to a point where nobody could be impressed anymore. And that's a very real possibility. Well, so problem, I've trimmed the it? stock. Isn't that potentially a problem it, given the incredible rise that it's had, um, you know, over the last year? I mean, you could you could pick time frames and say, oh, my God, this is incredible. Oh, my God, that's incredible. But I just wonder what the, that means to the, the greater story. If they if they fail well, to impress to a degree that the stock move would, you know, potentially warrant what happens. So you'd have to define problem because there are people sitting in this stock with thousands of percentage points in returns. They could afford to give up some. That's number one. 
Number two, I think the more interesting risk here is that all of these top market cap stocks are so related to each other. Like, like, let me give you NVIDIA, for example. People think that every time this company reports earnings, it's like some some massive uh, uh, reaction in the stock. The reality is this stock moves in advance of those numbers. After the November uh, report, the stock fell 2% the next day. After the August report, the stock rallied 3% the next day. Last May, it had an explosive move, but it's not always a big post-earnings mover. And the reason why is because the market moves the stock in advance. What happened this year is that Alphabet, Amazon, uh, Meta, uh, Microsoft, all they did was talk AI, 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 and that rallied NVIDIA in advance of this number. Yeah, so well, that's what I think is the risk here. The, the other part of the risk, as Evercore, Steph, says it's the stock that is the market, speaking of NVIDIA. I'm curious as to whether the whole AI trade, in some respects, is on the line this week. If you consider the moves in some of these names since November 1st, whether it's ARM or AMD or Palantir or ASML or Snowflake. Now, I didn't go down the rest of the names on my list. I stopped at the ones that are only up 50 percent or better (laughs) since November the 1st. But you could go down that list and find some that are 40s and almost 30s and well into the double digits as well. I'm wondering what those stocks are going to do. Oh, they're all going to trade together, but some have more juice than others, right? So I own IBM, for example, fully expect it to be down if NVIDIA is down, but it'll be down a lot less. A, it's not as owned. It's also misunderstood. Um, and, I, and I think the valuation, there is support there. Uh, Snowflake. You're new into Snowflake. I fully expect that to be down. Look at today. It's down 6%, just like all the other high flyers are down. But I'm more inclined to actually buy it and buy more. I'm a very small position. And we, we talked about it. I know it has a lot of beta to it. Um, and so I'm going to be very careful. But I do think that the story is very strong. The total addressable market is $290 billion. By the way, AI total addressable market according to McKinsey, by 2030, is $1.8 trillion. There is so much money to be had in AI, well, but I'm just trying to find the ones right, that are a little bit less. Made up number. I, I, everybody, see, no, that's the point. It might be a made-up well, number, but we're, see, but, we're seeing the resu- but we're seeing really strong results yeah, across the board from not, all of these yeah, companies. Yeah, but we're not necessarily seeing uh, monetization to uh. a degree that necessarily meets the so, hype. So, Okay. You are in a couple of instances, perhaps, and even then it's maybe a stretch. No. But a lot of these stocks are going parabolic as if they're all monetizing AI to some massive degree at this particular time, and that's just not the I case. I mean, I think Snowflake is going to do 30% plus in product revenue growth with gross margins in the 70s. That's absurd. Absurdly good. <laughs> um, let me give you an Steph. example of Broadcom. So their AI business was 10% of their total revenues last year. It's going to get to 25% by the end of next year. That is real monetization, Scott. So not everyone's going to see monetization, but there certainly are companies that are seeing it. IBM, too. It's just a much smaller piece right now. But I absolutely, you want to have exposure. And it depends on your risk, your risk tolerance and profile as to which ones you want to be in. I don't have the patience or the stomach to be in an NVIDIA. I just don't. Yeah, no, but I, I, would, I would never have, have expected you to make a statement like that and like, oh, yeah, but I bought Snowflake like last week. It's 50 week, basis two weeks points. Ago. It's 50 basis points. I understand, points. but you still it's had to 
you still had to get your mind into a risk reward place to even say buy. I always that's like where to, I'm at. I have 30 names in my portfolio. I always have about two or three that are kind of outliers, not typical of Stephanie Link. Yeah, that's one okay? of them. That's so one of them. Course, Put that but, on the wall. But I mean, if I if I get it right, <laughs> yeah. the alpha that I create is big, of and course. so I'm not dumb. I mean, obviously, we want to we all want to make money, and I all and I want to have exposure here. So I'm right-sizing it appropriately relative to all the other. I mean, land research is 500 basis points overweight. That's huge. Josh, you want to say? Uh, well, I wanted to ask Stephanie if she remembers the, the last go-round we had with something as transformative as AI. One of the big mistakes that investors and traders made toward the end of the dot-com and telecom bubble was we started listening to the suppliers and we forgot the fact that they're the caboose of the train. So the locomotive, in, in this case, are the companies building out the data centers. And that's Alphabet and Amazon and Microsoft, and I'm sure Stephanie would, would agree. The problem with listening to the NVIDIAs or the Arista networks or the super microcomputer is they will be the last to know when the orders are uh, duplicative or, or being canceled. Like they're at the end of the train. It doesn't mean you can't make money in those stocks, but I think what it does mean is we have to pay less attention to the kind of guidance that we're getting from the companies that, in the end, are just the suppliers. We're hearing optimizations are fading across the spectrum of companies. So, yeah, maybe you don't want to place all of your marbles in one basket from one company in what they're saying, but you have to look at the trend of what you're hearing from overall the industry, and it's really pretty powerful, Josh. And, again, it depends on what you want to pay, what you're, how you're position sizing it, all for risk reward. But I do think that if I believe in the total addressable market, by the way, north of a trillion, I don't know the exact number, nobody does, but I do think I want to be part of that. And so I'm owning something like IBM, which is so, I mean, it's kind of boring, right? Low beta, but it's also cheap and I, I, I like what they're doing. And then I'm offsetting that or barbelling it with something like a snowflake, well, which is a much smaller position. Let's, let's discuss the ramifications for the stock on the specific group of stocks that it has become a part of. And that's the Magnificent Seven, the largest market cap stocks in the market, which by the way, according to a Deutsche Bank calculation, the combined market cap, Joe, of these stocks would make it the second largest country stock exchange in the world. Now, even though small caps are up for two straight weeks, that's a sign of life for the broadening trade. I would sort of posit here that I'm not so sure that the market right now can necessarily withstand a lot of air coming out of the MAG7 stocks. That to me is what this week represents for NVIDIA. It, if it gives investors a reason to sell uh, those names down, I'm not so sure the market is going to be able to take that all that well. Okay, so let's be clear on this. <clears throat> First of all, I said the month of February would be a down month. I've already stated that. Um, if in fact, NVIDIA is the catalyst to take what I would call the, the AI complex down. If it is the catalyst, then I don't see how mathematically the markets can stay resilient. Then we are going to have That's several weeks, right. several weeks of declines within the market. However, I think it's important to remember what happened after the November earnings report for NVIDIA. 
and realize where much of the gains since November have come from. They have not come yeah, from that come earnings. From NVIDIA. They have not come from NVIDIA, and they have not, NVIDIA's individual gain has not come from that earnings report. NVIDIA's gain has come from, at the beginning of the year, capital flows, non-discretionary capital, wanting allocations to the market. And NVIDIA has captured those flows of capital, new money, beginning of the year. Remember after NVIDIA's report in November, NVIDIA moved sideways while the rest of the market moved higher. However, different environment. At that point, rates were lower. The Federal Reserve was speaking towards pivoting, becoming clearly less adversarial. I think it's a different environment now. Rates are higher, and you're not so sure what the Federal Reserve is doing. Certainly, they're continuing to push back when the potential first but rate you have cut will seen, come. But you have seen yeah. other sectors starting well, to Well, here's the better. stress test, right? In, in financials, industrials, they're acting really well. Energy is caught yeah. a bid, too. I'm not, I'm I don't not, know if it's sustainable, no, I'm not, uh, Joe, yeah, I'm but not disagreeing I think we are seeing that broadening out. But that's, but that's what this week is then, right. Steph. This yeah. is really a great litmus test sure. if, in fact, you could have the broadening yeah. out in the right. market. And, right. and that is if you're labeling the broader market the S&P market-weighted. If you're looking at equal-weighted, you're looking at Russell, you're looking at small caps, there is room for runs to that, to Stephanie's point, there are earnings growth happening in other sectors. You just, it's been really well, you hard. Think there's room to run. You're, a, you know, yes, there's room to run, but most of the reason I'm guessing you suggest that is because valuations are so much lower than other parts of the market, not necessarily because the stories are so great or the fundamentals are so spectacular. If you look at all these other stocks, you're like, oh, of course they, they, these can catch up. Look at the valuations. They're so much cheaper. Well, That alone doesn't necessarily, necessarily tell a great story. No, but that would say if a valuation is below market multiple and, it's, and, and the earnings are growing 6 to 8% with a dividend of 2%, you could get a 10% growth. Now, that's not what growth investors want. But historically, if you can get 8 to 10% in, in a market where other things are coming down, I would be there. But that's where the multiple expansion comes from in the market is from small caps. I can't see multiple expansion coming from these large cap oh, right, names, right. these mid cap names. Done they've already done Josh? Yeah, I would just point out 8% of the S&P 500 components are making 52-week highs right now. That's actually above the historic 6% that we typically see on any given Sunday. So the market is healthy in, in, in terms of large caps, and it's a lot of non-tech in there. And uh, the, the thing to keep in mind is that number has been cooling off. We entered February, which is like basically two and a half weeks ago, at 16% of the S&P uh, making highs. So it doesn't have to cross over and, and go negative. It could just cool off. And so far, that's what we've had. We were at 3x the average reading, and now we're right around normal. The more important thing, though, the 52-week low list is non-existent. There aren't any. Under 1% of the S&P 500 mm -hmm. are, are making new lows, uh, 52-week lows. That's really important. The average is two and a half. So it's a better than average tape for most stocks, and there are opportunities. And even though we don't have this scorching number of companies breaking out like we did in December and January, we still are above average. And again, there are no new lows at all. So until that changes, like, I don't think that this is the type of environment where we want to batten down the hatches and, and, and get scared. I just For don't. For sure, no. I mean, Steph, you're, you see opportunity in things like 
Home Depot, which you bought more of, right? Which yeah. today was lower on, on the back of its earnings. It is, you know, it's one of the drags on the Dow, as we said. Well, it's not, not now doing it, anything it's, today. It's come off, well, it's yeah. come off of its, you know, the lowest levels of, of this early day. What do, you, what do you make of this and why'd you buy more of it? Well, I think the quarter was in line exactly what I expected. I think as you go through 2024, I do think housing is a very powerful theme for the year. They will benefit. Their com- comparisons get a lot easier. And while we wait for comps to get better, the company is doing a great job in terms of profitability and guidance is so conservative at this point. A 14.1 EBIT margin for the year, that has got to be the bottom, or at least we're getting close. And so I think as we go through this year, they will see progress. And again, I like the easier comparison story. And I, we talked, I talked on your show last Friday. I actually mm-hmm. sold McDonald's and TJX so that I had cash so I could buy more of this because those comparisons for those two companies get really challenging throughout 2024. Did you miss, did you miss the, the, in the latest rebalance, the Walmart, the momentum that seems to be back in, in Walmart shares? Because stock hits a new high on the on the back of pretty good earnings, the stock's a standout yep. today, up three percent. I'm just looking at the range in shares from 136 over the last year to 181. That's not that far uh, away from that either. It did hit it earlier today. Yeah. So you create factor scores when when you're comprising an index, and Walmart was very close to meeting the threshold to be added to the index. Um, Certainly, after a day like today, you look at it and, yes, it looks even more appealing. Uh, We already own Costco in the index. And I would say that, speaking quickly towards Home Depot, it was, I I think the intraday price action in Home Depot is very, very resilient, number one. I think CEO Ted Decker is doing a fantastic job implementing the cost efficiency. And I think when you look at Walmart, when you look at Costco, when you look at Home Depot, Resilient consumer management that's effectively managing expenses, raising margins. And these are three companies. We own one of them, but these are three companies that without question are leading contenders to be added to the index. You also own Discover, which is part of the, you know, one of the stocks of the day because of the deal news with Capital One saying it's going to acquire Discover, 35.3 bill, all stock deal. You want to address that? Look, I'm going to be very candid and somewhat humble on this one. I wish I could come on the air and say, oh, we recognize something in Discover's uh, (laughs) earnings or we recognize something about the business model. It was purely a momentum entry. We recognize a significant increase in momentum and the index added it and we've got a good response from it. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, time to take some profits. That is the advice from one Wall Street firm as it downgrades one of the leading sectors over the last three months. Has nothing to do with tech either. We give the reveal. We give the debate in our call of the day next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. 
This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Dow's down about 140. Let's do our call of the day. Evercore downgrading the industrial sector, saying it's time for the bulls to take a big victory lap. So they downgrade Caterpillar, Ingersoll Rand, Timken getting caught in the wash uh, is about Timken, not so much company specific there. The broad call, though, Joe, is the bulls won. Take your victory lap. And while you're at it, take some profits. No, you own you. Cat, you own Parker Hannafin, you own United Rentals, J.B. Hunt. Sintas. No, not ready. Here's the broadening out story. Industrials themselves. Um, Haven't they always brought out? I mean, the chart looks great. The, the chart looks, looks great. great. The index weighting that we currently have is, Steph, close your ears. You're not going to like this. 17%. I'm big. 17, yeah, but that's that's I'm, obnoxiously big. Yes, okay, I'm, it's obnoxiously big. 17% 17% 17% in industrials. And by the way, if you think industrials. Say it loud, say it proud. If you think industrials are going down, then you have to tell me that Uber, which was just added to the industrial sector, GE, okay, United Rentals, they're all going down. XPO. And they're not. Well, okay, these well, are strong they, they names. Do, they do say stick with United Rentals for quote unquote price discovery. How about Parker Hannafin? We want to sell that? They put that on the list to stay. How about with Train it. Technologies? We want to sell that one. How about WW Granger? Do, do we want to sell wanna, that one? Do you want to sell Caterpillar? No, I don't want to sell Caterpillar. Maybe, maybe Rockwell, maybe Rollins. We have 22 names in the index in the industrial sector. 14 of them are outperforming the S&P. Why would you sell them when you have the $2 trillion infrastructure bill that got passed last year that hasn't even been put in place this year? I mean, that's crazy. You're going to see CapEx continue to see improvements and surprise to the upside. Isn't that somewhat in the chart at all? No. I do not think people are overweight industrials. Are you overweight industrials? not overweight industrials. Josh, are you overweight industrials? I wish I was. Mm, See? So I'm just telling you, like, there's a lot of powerful stories. You could take profits along the way. I don't have a problem with that. But it, the logic, it doesn't really make sense to me because Caterpillar, you sell this multiple, and Parker Hannafin's also at the no, same I, multiple. I so, not, I mean, it's, and, it's, and Uber getting added to the yeah, sector is a talk big about, deal. I know, but we're, let, let's talk about specific well, industrials. You I mean, can't ignore that. You can't. People, well, only, if you're buying, only, only if you're buying them as a, as a total group. If, 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 you're no. in, if you're in a Caterpillar or an Ingersoll, you don't give a you-know-what about Uber. Okay, okay where am I going to get the type of revenue growth in the industrial sector? And there are other names that have strong revenue growth. But the type of consistent revenue growth, the type of remarkable turnaround that Uber is delivering, yeah, you can't I know, find but that. Let's not yeah, talk, but 
it's look, more, come on, it's yeah. not it's, it's not a traditional yeah. nor pure industrial right. type stock. Let's Unshoring, be honest with ourselves. Second biggest yeah, waiting in the industrial sector. It matters. So, but also, but industrials you think of onshoring and reshoring and grid improvement, aviation, anything tied to aviation. Yeah. Those are all amazing industrial like yeah. and markets. And I have exposure to all that. And, and they and have not, tailwind not behind them. You, so you're not. Well, you own Honeywell and Transdime. I do. And and. Aerospace, right there, right? I mean, yep. you look at Transign, aftermarket space, look what's going through Boeing and Airbus. Their demand is going through the roof. You look at Honeywell, same thing with aerospace. Look, so look these at, are companies uh, look that at waste, have demand. Look at waste management, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is the top name, top name in the index. Look at this chart. It looks like they just invented their own GLP shot using AI. <laughs> like it, uh, PACAR, look at this thing. I have no idea what it does. We I'm, own it. I'm, uh, yeah, well, whatever it is, I wish I owned it. There are so many charts that look like that in the XLI. Festival. So many. Look, you guys can you guys can get together off air and you can d- discuss PACAR. How about Salesforce today? Reiterated a buy at Deutsche Bank as, as we move to another call. Uh, and Barclays, by the way. Barclays takes the target to 325. Deutsche goes to 330. You, you own this. I'm not going to talk about Salesforce with the same level of excitement I did the industrials. Um, this, has been, this has been a stock that has benefited from a pivot where management was focused. No more acquisitions. We're, we're pausing on the acquisitions. We've got an IT spending slowdown, so what do we want to do? We know sales are going to be challenged. We're going to focus on lifting margins. And lifting margins has been the story for this stock. It will not be immune if the complex of AI sees a correction off of NVIDIA. Doesn't matter what Salesforce reports, it'll go down as well. Okay, Disney reiterated outperform it. Bernstein, 120 is the price target from 115. Surat, you own the stock. I do, and stock bottomed out around the low 90s. They're focused on cash flow now. You know, the note talks about streaming and not sharing passwords, and it's all about making profit. So I still like it. It's a value play. Still a lot more to come. Joe, WW Granger downgraded at Loop today. Uh, the price target does get bumped, um, but they do see a more balanced risk reward for the company. So it's at 934. They were at 925, so they had to take it higher. Even though they downgrade, it's a thousand bucks. Fantastic company. It's been uh, in the index for the better part of the last three years. One of the top industrial names, and it speaks to exactly what Stephanie was citing before. Infrastructure really has not even impacted impacted yet the industrial sector. Uh, this stock will benefit from that. Okay. The headlines now with Bertha Coombs. Hey, Bertha. How are you, Scott? U.S. said today that it will announce sanctions on Friday aimed at Russia for the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. That's from national security spokesperson John Kirby. While he didn't provide any additional details on those sanctions measures, he did say that the sanctions package was also to hold Russia accountable for its actions in the war with Ukraine. More than half of the world's countries are at high risk for measles by the end of the year unless preventative measures are taken. That's a dire warning from the WHO today. Measles have been on the rise due to missed vaccinations during the COVID-19 pandemic, with cases up 79% last year, according to WHO data.
And the Eiffel Tower in Paris was closed to the public as its workers began a strike yesterday to call for a review of financial management by Paris City Hall, which owns 99% of the tower's operator. Union members say the City Hall is underestimating the cost of work on the monument ahead of the Olympic Games. The strike is expected to last until Wednesday. Oh la la, Scott, back to you. Bertha, thank you. Bertha Coombs, coming up, a big test for the red-hot cyber sector. Palo Alto Networks reporting earnings in overtime. Tonight, one of our committee members owns that stock. We have other folks who are in other cyber names, which means it matters a lot, which is why we trade it next. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close? or travel somewhere far away. At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Red Hot Cyber Trade. Faces a big test tonight with Palo Alto set to report earnings after the bell. This is a big moment, isn't it, Joe? It is a big moment. Look, I'm concerned about all these stocks. I trimmed CrowdStrike within the last several weeks. I'm concerned that they are extended. Um, but cybersecurity seems to be a necessary element of IT spending. It used to be software was that last line of defense where you, where you had that necessary spending. This is going to be a strong report. It's going to be a beat, beat and raise. Um, you're going to see billings growth of about 16%. I think there's going to be a lot of positive energy surrounding what you're going to hear tonight. The question's going to be, what's the price action response going to be the, to the earnings? Um, well, I would be surprised if we're not priced nearly towards perfection. My, my question was, was going to be the most important thing to me is, how big is the and if there is a raise, how big is the beaten raise? That's what's going to matter most. I mean, the market is obviously anticipating something good. It stocks up 40% in three months. It's up 74% in six months. So they, that, it's like an NVIDIA bar. Yeah. You, better, you better deliver. Nikesh Aurora has to deliver. Palo Alto has the right products as well. Their firewall application, again, it's a needed element uh, for IT, cybersecurity, spending. And they have such a diversified product mix that they're really in all the right places. So don't be surprised, again, if the beaded raise is very dramatic this evening. The only thing that I'm cautioning viewers is you might get a great earnings report. And subsequent to that, you might not necessarily get the price response you think you should get. Nikesh Aurora, by the way, is going to be on with Jim on Mad Money tonight. We should tell you that. Steph, simple question. You have the right horse in this race? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. Fortinet. Why are you still in Fortinet? Well, I, I made a lot of money throughout COVID, um, and they were a big beneficiary, and then they, they started to have problems on the execution side. But now I'm kind of interested again because the stock has really lagged. I mean, it trades 10 times price to sales. Palo Alto yeah. trades at 16 times. Yeah, it's only up 10% in the last year. It trails for a reason, though, it trails, obviously, but, right? but, but. So they had problems last year, two quarters in a row where they missed. Very disappointing, very surprising. Mm -hmm. Stock got hammered. 
but this past quarter, it was encouraging. That billings growth of 8.5%, I think they're going to get back to double digits by the end of this year. They have a price performance advantage. They do have, and the whole group has, or the large players are benefiting from companies wanting less vendors. So the bigger companies are just going to get bigger, and they are in one of the big places within the industry. And I don't have a question at all about, about that. So. I'm kind of willing to give it a little bit of time, um, and I'm hoping it can play catch up. If it doesn't have a big reaction to Palo Alto, what, what do you what do you do? What, I don't even know when this company Fortinet reports earnings. They did already. To be quite honest with you, and oh, they by already the way, did. They, they, they talked about they were good. Well, I just mentioned eight and a half percent billings. But you're talking about 16% at Palo Alto. There's no question that Palo Alto is going to have a great quarter. It's just what is it pricing for? But they're, they're going to beat and they're going to raise because they are the industry leader. And Fortinet did talk about enterprise being very strong and mid, mid-tier enterprise being particularly strong. Mm. So that should also help Palo Alto. I just prefer the, the, the risk well, reward. Your, your horse needs to get to the winner circle sooner. We need <laughs> a new does. thoroughbred. It definitely does. Speaking of thoroughbreds, CrowdStrike, Josh, has certainly been one. Yeah, this is like one of the best performing stocks of the last few years. Came public in 2020, uh, really got hammered in 2022 uh, when people mistook some tech stocks for all tech stocks and it got kind of thrown out with the bathwater. But for the people who hung on, it's now a triple. And, you know, this is a company that they continue to find ways to grow faster than their peers and they're doing so profitably. It is not yet uh, an S&P 500 stock. I think that's what's coming at some point between now and the end of the year, uh, and it'll be another day of celebration probably in the shares. So I think this is the best one of the group. Mm-hmm. It's the one I continue to hold. March 5th is the earnings date, by the way, for Crowd. So we'll keep our eye on that. Straight ahead, we're bracing for a big week as well in energy. A number of top players in that space are set to report, including Diamondback, Pioneer, EOG. We have ownership. And we have trades in all of those names coming up next. But first, a quick message as CNBC celebrates black heritage. Our contributions to the world are significant. And you don't know where you're going unless you can look back and see where you come from. And so celebrating Black History Month allows everybody to understand, celebrate, and recognize the rich contributions that African Americans have made in the United States, but that black people in general have made to the world. Oil's been on the move higher and energy stocks are in focus today because many report earnings this week. Steph, today after the bell, yes. Diamondback, Fang, stock's up 15% in one week. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's all because of the Endeavor acquisition. Okay. It's a great acquisition. They're going to be the number three Permian player. So right behind Exxon and Chevron. So I think the call is really going to focus on that. They already gave us accre- the accretion numbers, 500 million a year, 10 billion over three years. So a really good setup for the company. I'm still really cheap, 10 times earnings. Joe? Top holding in uh, the index for us in the energy sector. I think what's really strong about this is they're able to retain their independence, Mm. which was really coming into question with a lot of the deals that you saw recently. This is one of the favorite names, clearly, and they've now extended, obviously, the exposure in Permian, which makes them even more desirable. All right. Thursday, uh, after the bell, Surratt is PXD, Pioneer Natural Resources. Pioneer going to be taken over by by Chevron. I mean, consolidation in the space is great for pricing. Capital discipline is what these guys have been talking about for the last couple of years. The stocks are really cheap. The cash flow is incredible. They're buying back shares. The dividends are increasing. 
I like this sector. We're overweight this sector. I, you know, we even talked about Schlumberger in this sector. So I think you can have ownership here, and we're talking about a broadening of indexes. Mm -hmm. This is an area I think you can see some upside. Joe, you have PXD also. We do. Um, not as excited about it as I am uh, for Diamondback Why? Energy. I think Diamondback has done a, a better job effectively managing production, utilization of cash. Pioneer is a great company. It's been a great company. Well, it'll be Exxon. It'll be yeah. Exxon, right. So. It'll, be, it'll be Exxon, but I think there's a degree of disappointment over the last several years. I thought years ago this company would be able to grow itself a little better okay. than it did. What about EOG, which is uh, also Thursday after the uh, bell? Surat, you're in that. Another cash cow. I mean, buying back shares, dividends, special dividends. I want to be in this stock. I think, you know, they're independent now. We'll see how long they're independent. But as consolidation happens, pricing improves. And if oil at these prices, they're going to be minting money. So maybe you just there see them are. yeah, and buying back more shares over and over. Why has it been a loser then this year, down 6.5%? Because nobody likes the sector, they're not paying attention to it. You only got the upside when stocks are being bought in terms of consolidation. I just think touch of natural gas in there too. Yeah, so you well. have that. They still have well. the legacy natural well, gas you, exposure, which they've tried I mean, to get away is from. Is that what you're saying? Is led to the decline in shares somewhat? Because no, I'm just natural I, gas is not even two dollars. Yeah. Natural, natural gas is a dollar fifty-six as we speak right yeah. now. So you've had that to Apache as well. So anybody right. who has flavor of natural gas. You just don't have investors following it. With and, and let's be clear, EOG is trying to get more oily right. than Okay. Than uh, we do have more earnings uh, to go through and give you a setup ahead of these uh, reports. Analog devices, Synopsis, Live Nation, Berkshire Hathaway. The trades are when we come back in just two minutes. more stocks reporting earnings this week. Synopsis is tomorrow after the bell. Joe T, it's in there. Oh, it's in there. It's been in the index since inception, November of 2020. Very happy that it is. This is a little bit of an AI story. AI, 10% of overall revenue currently. You see sales here above 20%. Cadence design post earnings had a little bit of a small correction. I think that's a impacting the near-term price action for Synopsys. Either way, each one of these names within the next few months, you want to make sure you gain long-term ownership. They are core holdings. Live Nation, Josh Brown, Thursday after the bell. Yeah, stock looks pretty good. It's uh, fairly close to a 52-week high. Uh, I think that they're going to have a lot of good things to say about how the summer festival season is shaping up, and that's really the biggest uh, earnings driver for, for the company. So I'm not really concerned here. I remain long. I think this should be a triple-digit stock. How about Berkshire, which is on Saturday morning, which obviously you've owned for a long time now? Yeah, if you're trading Berkshire on earnings, you need to have your brokerage account taken away and maybe put a, a helmet on. Uh, this is not an earnings-driven name quarter by quarter. It never has been. They deliberately don't do a conference call, and they drop this earnings report over the weekend. Uh, and Warren Buffett really would not want you for a shareholder if you were to react either excessively positively or negatively to any 90-day period. What if you're trading it on ETF rebalances? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. What does that mean? Like Good. buying it or selling it before an ETF? <laughs> Hi, Joe, Scott. Re Joe rebalanced recently and moved Berkshire out. 
There's something right, very that's, compli- a rule, that's a rules-based. I know, I know. I'm just kidding, obviously. Right. There's something very complicated. There's something right. very complicated. Because that's the same kind of people that are doing prop bets on uh, if Taylor Swift is going to get kissed or hugged on, on the 50-yard line at the Super Bowl. Like, I don't, I don't think that regular investors should be trying to trade ahead of index rebalances. That's not, uh, that's not investing. Yeah, no, that's, that's not what Scott's in for. There's something complicated in the nature of Berkshire Hathaway, where its return on equity is never going to look good, and that's one of the challenges we have. But I thought we were going to talk about Twilio. Remember that one? We we're sold not. it last week. We're not talking about Twilio? You want to talk about it? No. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to mention that. Okay. Up next, two big winners and two big losers. We'll document them next. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Two big winners, two big losers. Barclays, a big winner today, announcing plans to boost investor returns slash costs and revamp some businesses with refocusing on the UK. ConAgra is uh, is up today. They're partnering with Cinnabon to launch new cinnamon drizzled kettle corn. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Sounds. Uh, You bailed on the ag trade, though. Yes. ADM no longer. Deer no longer. You never owned this, but. Remind our viewers why you Deer was a big one. Well, we, we saw the breakdown in, in ag pricing that really began in 2022 and extended through 2023. And it's extending here as well in 2024. Corn down 11%, soybeans down 9%, wheat down 7%. Uh, so the ag trade lost momentum very quickly in 2022, never was able to regain it. And the favorite name, which was Deer, we held on to that one the longest. Uh, more recently, we've liquidated that as well, so we have no ag exposure. Josh, remind us when you got out of Albemarle. I, I only remember the stock because of you, frankly. It's down 6.5%. You, you owned it maybe a few years ago. I, I don't think you've owned it in a while. Four score and seven years ago, I think. I don't know. It's, it's, been, a, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I don't, I don't really remember. Yeah, you don't, maybe you don't want to. It's, it's down 6.5%. <laughs> Final trades are next. All right, 3 o'clock Eastern closing bell. The Bull and the Bear are back. John Mowry and Greg Branch. They're going to go at it again. Debate where this market goes from here. Tony Pascarello, Goldman Sachs, head of hedge fund client coverage, will be with me. And, of course, we'll look up to Palo Alto, those earnings in overtime, too. So we'll get you set uh, right up until those uh, numbers are, are about to be released. Let's do final trades. Josh Brown, what do you got? Berkshire Hathaway, the fresh maker. All right. <laughs> Surat Sethi. Schlumberger, uh, unfairly sold off when the Saudis said um, they were going to cut production. I think it's a great buy. It's now called SLB, Surat. I know. That's what but Stephanie Link tells old, me. Old school people she keeps like it. Buying it. She, keeps, she keeps buying it. I do. I keep buying it lower and lower. Me too. <laughs> uh, Joe T. J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan, I think we get a $200 print on this stock. Why? Because this company is so well diversified AI. and AI okay AI JPAI JPAI there you go all right there you go so we are still down uh, as we said uh, uh, Oh, did I give, I didn't give you final trade? Yeah, you were, you were, that's oh my God, they just, like, they okay. just blew my eardrum out yelling at me. Go ahead. No, Toyota Motors. Okay, thanks. I'll see you on Closing Bell. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. 
All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.